He is the author, he's an engineer, he's an inventor, he's a genius. His name is Paul McEnroe. He is the author of The Barcode, How a Team Created One of the World's Most Ubiquitous Technologies. He is with me now. Paul, you are a genius times five. This is crazy. I don't know about that, but uh, it's nice to be here with you this morning anyway. (laughs) I appreciate you getting up early to talk to me. He, too, is out on the left coast, guys. Sorry, but Paul... You resemble Anthony Fauci just a little bit. When I looked you up online, I went, put glasses on the guy and cut his legs off so he's four foot eleven. He looks like Fauci. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. All right, so the barcode is on everything. And I don't know how they work. They just look like a bunch of weird lines to me. But I do associate them with something I hear probably a little too often that beep. Beep, as it goes across the scanner. How does the barcode work? Well, the scanner uh, projects a very uh, small dot of light, which comes from a laser, and lasers are particularly good at uh, a real small focused spot. And uh, they're very safe because this is an itty-bitty laser. It is like one two-thousandth the amount of light from a, a regular light bulb. But it's very focused, and as it hits the little lines that you see, uh, when it hits a black line, not very much light is reflected because it's absorbed by the color black. When it hits a white space after the black line, if you think, look at the barcode and uh, imagine the bar going, uh, the spot going across it from say left to right. When it hits the white thing, a lot of light is reflected, and then we have an electronic device in the, the scanner that uh, reads the reflected light, and so the signal to that thing goes up when it's on the white spot. And so then you get a signal back, and you can put that in a computer, and you can use it to decipher what, uh, how many and how wide the black lines and white bars were and are, and uh, you can uh, decipher the code. It's each, uh, if you see the numbers on the, if you're looking at a barcode, there are numbers on the bottom, and above each number, if you look carefully, there are two black lines and two white lines or white spaces between the black lines. And uh, so those uh, those two black lines and their paired white spaces uh, allow the computer to read the digit because it's, uh, it's, it's encoded in what engineers call binary form. And uh, so it reads each digit. It reads the digits five at a time on the left and five on the right. And it puts them together, and it identifies a number for the product. If it's a box of Wheaties, medium size, you know, uh, then uh, maybe with no sugar or something, then that will be a number that uh, the manufacturer of Wheaties has uh, requested the number be provided, and that number's provided them. And now all the stores will see the same number when that box of Wheaties is pulled across the scanner, or someone points uh, one of those pistol grip kind of things at it. Uh, and, uh, so that's how it reads it. It just, uh, can tell the difference in the, in the black bars. It's insanity. It's absolutely insanity that this is, think of every single item that's in the store has one of these on them. So how, I mean, is, is this infinite? Can this go on forever that they can just continue or do they reuse when, products go away how do you have so many infinite 
scanning codes for so many different products. And I, I get what you, I don't totally get what you just said, but I heard you. Um, this just seems like you would have to start reinventing the wheel at some point because there wouldn't be enough. No, there are quite a few. You know, uh, if you think about it, uh, if you have five digits, you know, that's, uh, you know, 99,999 different codes. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's just, uh, the, the five on the left, uh, it, the, the way we started out with this thing is, I think it's pretty much going the same. We, we set up a company called the Uniform Product Code Council. Now there are other companies that are taking their place called GS1, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, the, these companies, the first one was located in Washington, D.C. Uh, GS1 is now located in Brussels, Belgium, and it does the, this for the world. And so, uh, assigns the left number, uh, or the, the first number to, uh, the, the first five digits, uh, we call that a number, uh, to, uh, the manufacturer. So that allows approximately a hundred thousand manufacturers. But then there's another code buried in the, in the, in the bars on the left, which does it for a different country. So every country gets 99,999 possible companies. Well, that's more than there are companies manufacturing food. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. And then for each company, you take the five uh, numbers on the right, and each company gets another five numbers, So, uh, or, or could have up to that many. They apply for and pay a very small fee. This is a nonprofit situation, but they pay a very small fee to these companies that we set up as nonprofits to assign the codes. And the second number would be assigned to like Wheaties, uh, medium size, no sugar, whatever, you know, and, uh, there'd be 99,000 of those. So, uh, for each company, then they could have 99,000 different types of products. And of course, once a product phases out, they can get rid of the number, or re, re, uh, you know, turn it back reassign to the company, yeah. yeah, reassign it, and so on. So, no, there's plenty of numbers available for all the products in the world because there aren't that many different manufacturers, and each manufacturer doesn't have more than that many products. So, how do you assemble a team to do something like this? Because I'm sure you weren't the only one trying to do it. As I was reading your book, which I am not one who does well with this kind of topic when I'm reading because my brain can't keep up with how smart you are. But I was I was reading this, and I know that you had some competition from, I mean, Pitney Bowes, uh, IBM, RCA. Yeah. There, there were a lot of people trying to, to be in the main stager here, but you got picked. Yeah. So your team yeah, that, had that, to have a lot of a lot of arguments. Yeah. Well, it, 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 when I when I, I actually the first pick was IBM. I worked for IBM. Mm -hmm. The first pick was IBM. Uh, picked me. Uh, long story uh, to lead to form a team and and to lead it. They they picked me to, to pick a new business for them to get in. And so I picked this end of the business, the, the supermarket and also the uh, retail. A department store area for which we gave a different kind of a visible code. It looked mag it was magnetic, but it worked the same way uh, after it got changed to an electronic signal from the magnetic or from the optic in supermarkets. Mm -hmm. In any event, uh, I was picked to do that by IBM, and I, I I had the opportunity to look around the world and see what new business IBM might want to get into, and I picked point of sale 
because it would generate a lot of data. We were trying to figure out how to fill up computers, and uh, I was trying to find something we could be successful at. And what did the what did the world need? What were what were what was required by the world? And the Supermarket Institute, which is a formation of people from different companies in the supermarket area, both manufacturers and uh, retailers, you know, the Safeways, the Albertsons, and so on and so forth, as well as the manufacturers, the Posts, and the Del Monte's, and the Campbell Soup, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And and so those people laid out what they needed. They said, we needed faster checkout, easy checkout, reliable checkout, and we need to get rid of uh, all the expense of changing the price on every item in the store by walking around and pulling it off the shelf and stamping it again and putting it back on. And and we need to be much more efficient at reordering because uh, we're out of stock on so many things and we want faster checkout again, again, again. So uh, I said, hey, we can do all that electronically and uh, we have the technology to do it. So uh, IBM uh, funded me and I... Had you know, IBM was the largest uh, company in engineering in the world at that time. One of the largest companies of all types, mm-hmm. and they had a real big resource of people. So they let me go. So I went out and picked a team of people that had expertise in each of the areas I thought most important. And uh, I started with just six guys plus myself, and. Uh, that was the team for the first uh, major period of the time. Of course, over the years, uh, to build a, a whole system around this and make it work all around the world and everything, uh, the team grew to a couple hundred people over a period of several years. But the first year, it was mostly this first seven of us that did this thing. And uh, so I had experts in, I was an expert in scanning. I had experts in coding. I had experts in communication, sending the signal from the front of the store to the back of the store. And I had experts in magnetics for the typical type of recording and displays and uh, laser light and so on and so forth. And uh, so uh, we put all that together and we were able to come up with something that did allow it. Now, the Supermarket Institute uh, did put an open request into the entire world of companies that had engineering capability and said, yes, all of you need to propose a solution. And 14 companies did. You mentioned three of them, mm-hmm. and you were right. And 14 companies submitted. Seven were finalists. You mentioned three of the finalists. And ours was one of the finalists, and then ours was selected. In my opinion, it was selected because it was by far and away the most reliable code. I mean, we even have... Uh, such uh, capability built into the code that if you took uh, the lines above one of the characters in the code and painted them out with purple or black so that you couldn't even see them, the code has uh, correctability in that it can read the other nine digits and calculate what the missing one was. Wow. I mean, it, this is a trick of encoding and, and add it in even though it couldn't read it. So it is a very, very reliable code, very inexpensive to make, and that's why it's been around for the 50 years. And so, you know, that, that's that's kind of how it happened. His book is called The Barcode, How a Team Created One of the World's Most Ubiquitous Technologies. Paul McEnroe, we need to upload your brain into a computer so that we can continue on with this incredible 
intelligent and amazing sort of ingenuity because you changed the world. I hope you're filthy rich. I, you don't have to answer that, but I hope that you are because no, I'm, I'm very happy to answer it. In fact, I should tell everybody: No, I'm I'm not rich at all. I mean, you I'm should comfortable. Be. But no, but the, the Supermarket Institute decided at the beginning that there would nobody be made rich uh, on this thing. So they required everybody that submitted a solution, put it in the public domain. So all the public owns wow. it. There are no royalties for anybody ever. The, the only way companies make money on this is to provide the products that are used in the supermarket. And, of course, supermarkets save money by, by their efficiency. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. You know, uh, because any person, uh, I'd be the richest person in the world if they gave even the slightest little thing, because there's 10 billion of these every day. So uh, nothing else is like that. Now tell the pharmaceutical uh, company that. You know, you need to come up with one for restaurants now because they never get your order right, where they can just scan a code on which thing you want off the menu so they quit screwing it up. That'd be great. Yeah, that's yeah, right. We can do next. that. We, well, that, that should be next. Well, his name is Paul McEnroe. He got up super early out on the Pacific Coast so that he could talk to us. He's an author. He's an engineer. He's an inventor. I feel like he should be rich. But you know what? You signed away your life, man. Shame on you. You could have been so rich. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I hope his book sells a million copies. Um, the The thought and the team who put this together to me are just the the fringe of intelligence of what the 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 human mind can do if we put together a strong team and that's why science and engineering and math and that sort of thing is so important in school because you literally changed the world paul this is amazing thank you very much you're welcome and thank you for being on the show where's your book available well, you know, it's uh, it's on Amazon. It has a little bit of a delayed delivery because uh, Amazon and the printer are having a little bit of an issue getting their inventories right. But you can buy it on Amazon. You get a delivery a little later in the month. But you can buy the uh, the e-version is available now, mm-hmm. and uh, a, a uh, hardcover will be coming out later. But the paper book, you can order it on Amazon now. Okay. And it's also my publisher's uh, Silicon Valley Press, if you remember that, Silicon Valley Press, they can ship it to you immediately. All right. Yeah, that's pretty easy to remember. Everybody knows Silicon Valley. The barcode, okay. how a team created one of the world's most ubiquitous technologies. We use it 50 times a week, if not more. Thank you so much, Paul. Have a wonderful day. You bet. Thank you. Uh-huh. My pleasure. Bye-bye.